Welcome to the New Life Millbrook Weekly Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast or other resources, please visit nlmillbrook.com. We're going to go ahead and dive into uh, our service today. Uh, How many people are familiar with words of knowledge? You are familiar with that whole concept. Great. Here we go. Words of knowledge has been used throughout the Bible. And there are so many types of words of knowledge. And while the gift of words of knowledge is cool, and while it's something that we have experienced, one thing that I think we need to go into is the why. Why is he giving gifts? See, God's not a wasteful God. He doesn't just do things by happen chance. Everything he does is on purpose and for purpose. Just the same reason why you are here on purpose and for purpose. And that everything that, you, that he has called for you to do and called for you to be is here and in this moment right now. Today, we're going to be diving into the what it is, uh, the how it is, and the why it is. All the is. And we're going to jump into it. A few years back, I was pastoring in South Florida, and I found myself in Walmart. And it was a season in my life where I was hungry and seeking out for God to move. Is anybody, like, I'm not saying that I don't want God to move now. But like you are like, it's, it's, it's all consuming on every aspect of what there's a hunger. And, and I was wanting God to move not just on a Sunday service, but on a Thursday or on a Tuesday, just outside of the four walls. We had really great encounters. Sorry, Thomas is, is tweaking me over here. Uh, we are, have all these great encounters and we've had these wonderful moments on Sundays. And I'm like, God, I need to experience this outside of Sunday service. I want people who aren't part of a Sunday service to have these moments, to have this encounter, to have these moments with God and everything that he's doing. And as we're going through this, I've been getting to, to, to research. And, and this season, I was doing a small group, or I was a part of a small group that was going through the book of Acts. And if you want some wild and crazy miracles, you want to see Acts. You, you want to read what's going through and what God can do and can't do, or can do and, and, and how he's going to lay itself out in the book of Acts. And as we are going through all of these things, uh, there's a hunger and a passion stirred up inside of me to see what God's going to do and how he's going to do it. So I have this envision once we go into the story of, uh, of Peter uh, walking through and his shadow is falling on people, right? How cool is that? As he's just minding his own business, his shadow falls on people and they get healed. The lame begin to walk. And that's the kind of miracle that I wanted. I wanted that kind of miracle because it was a low threshold of miracles. Like, I can't help where my shadow falls, and maybe God would do something, and if it didn't do anything, I wouldn't be embarrassed. Like, have you ever prayed for somebody, and you were ready for God to move, and God didn't move, and you're like, phew, this is embarrassing. I wanted a low threshold of pain kind of miracles, where I wanted God to move, and everyone would be like, oh my gosh, I was deaf, and now I can hear, and I'd be like, oh yeah, let me tell you about God. Not me going and laying hands on somebody, and I wanted God to do something that wasn't going to embarrass me. I wanted God to move, but just kind of on my terms, if you've ever been there. Like, I want God to do something on how I want it to, and as I'm walking through Walmart, I take a left, and as I take a left on the aisle, a lady on the other end takes a right, and we, 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 we were face to face. We're facing each other down the long hallway. And and I have this moment where instantly I had a word for this lady. And I'm like, that's not going to happen. It's not going to happen for a couple of reasons. Number one, I'm in the middle of Walmart. Number two, if I give this lady a word and it's spot on and she loses her mind and everybody comes around Walmart looking at me, 
It's not going to happen. So I'm like, nope, not today, God. And I walk past her. I do my thing. I come another aisle. She's at the other aisle. And she's at the other aisle. And I'm like, you know what, God? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to the other end of Walmart. I'm going to go into the auto section. And if she's there, I'll give her her word. So I go to the auto section. You know what? She wasn't. And it was miraculous. And I'm like, oh, thank you, Jesus. I don't have to do this. I don't have to be embarrassed. I'm like, all right, we're good. We're going to walk out of here. I come around the corner. Boom! My buggy hits her buggy. And I went, are you serious? And she goes, I'm so sorry. She thought I was talking to her. I was saying, are you serious? They got like, no, 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 no. Long story short, I'm a pastor. I'm not a weirdo. Doesn't mean much these days. But here we are. I, I got a word for you. I don't even know you, but here we go. So I give her this word. Do you mean to switch microphones, Thomas? You sure? Okay. Um, I, I give her this word. And in that moment, everything that I was afraid of happened. She grabs hold of her car. She puts her head down and begins to sob and shake. So I as a wise young man, distance myself from this lady as quickly as I possibly can. Because when people are starting to come around the corner, I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. The word was simple. It wasn't complex. I just said, hey, this is what God's telling me about you, is that um, your son's going to be okay, and he's coming home. Now, mind you, I don't know if she has a son. No clue at all when I give her this word. I have no idea of any of this. I, listen, I'm in Walmart at nine o'clock at night on Six Mile Cypress. I'm not even sure if this is a woman. All I know is that God says her son's coming home. I give her the word. She grabs hold of her cart, shakes, cries, screams, and does a dance. And I'm like, okay, well, I guess that was right. To which she said, you have no idea. My son is a Marine, and he just got sent out to Afghanistan. He's at Camp Leathernet. They just went under attack. He said, Mom, it's getting sketchy. She said, I lost contact. He called me this morning, told me he was going to be okay. But I haven't been able to calm down since I've been praying all night for my son. There was no way I could know that she had a son. There was no way that I could know that she was in, he was in harm's way. But the idea what God wanted to do was to take a praying mama and take a stranger and put them together to say, God sees where you are. And that's the beautiful part of a word of knowledge is it takes God from the universe to see you exactly where you are and he gives you information on everything that's going on pertinent to let you know that he is with you and he is for you. So like a working definition today, if we can, is a word of knowledge is having information or knowledge about someone or a situation that you could not get through natural means. It's information about someone or something that you wouldn't get through natural means. So this is the same concept as in Luke when Mary is approaching Elizabeth and Elizabeth's belly, her, her, her baby leaped inside of her. And she says, oh, my word, you are how blessed are you carrying our Savior? How could she know that unless the Holy Spirit put something inside of her to say that? Or, or how about this? How about after um, Saul um, gets blinded and he is uh, experienced Jesus and he's off into another room on the road to Damascus? And the man is sent by God, and he's told what room and where he is in the house until they hands. We read this thing, we're like, oh yeah, that's pretty cool. 
How crazy is it if you woke up in the middle of the night and God told you, hey, Matt, I want you to go to 2475 West Elm, knock on the door. The person's wearing red. Pray for them. Like you have. I know that's weird. That's a weird experience. Jesus told Peter, throw your nets on the other side. That's where the fish are. How would he know that? It's a word of knowledge. Or, or how about we go one step further? And I think it's in the book of John when, when Jesus is talking to the Samaritan woman. And he says, I am the living water. She says, may I have some of that? She, he says, go get your husband. And she says, I don't have a husband. He's like, you're right. The five other ones you had weren't your husband either. He had information about a situation that wasn't public knowledge. And this is what a word of knowledge does, is it opens up who you are for God to deliver a word. So the why is a word of knowledge creates an opportunity for a recipient to encounter the living God exactly where they are. This doesn't mean you have to read their mail. It doesn't mean that you have to tell them all their future. But all you're doing is delivering a message and it opens the door. For instance, if, if a complete stranger walked up to Candace today and she goes, hey, I've got a word uh, about, about you and your kids. You've got a, you've got a daughter named Addie. You've got a, you, 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 this is what I want to hear. Like, if a complete stranger walks up to her and says that details, I feel like she would either A, think she's got a stalker, or B, maybe it's a prophet. Maybe it's something going on here. And this is what a word of knowledge does, is it breaks down the barriers for us to be able to receive that God is actually speaking to us. It lets that individual know that they are seen and understood by God. And the, another part that's really great is that it lets me know that I'm hearing from God when I'm giving it out. When I watch that reaction, when I see what's going on, and the person confirms what's going on, I go, man, God's working through me. And it's a wonderful experience. In Colossians 2, verse 3, it says this, In Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. God knows every aspect and everything about each and every one of us. It's not used as a weapon to offend people. A word of knowledge is not meant that I can walk around and confess all your sins and all your issues in front of everyone to embarrass you. A word of knowledge is meant to align you with Christ. I love the, the, the statement between Jesus and the Samaritan woman because he goes, go get your husband. She had an opportunity. She could have been like, yeah, okay, and ran off. But notice when Jesus says to her, he is not your husband, nor the ones before, him, before you, it was just those two. I, I, we, we read these passages when Jesus in this moment is calling out her sin to awaken who he is inside of, in front of her, and we read this and be like, yeah, that's what I want to do. I want to walk into Starbucks and be like, hey, yeah, you are this and you are that. And this is your sin and that is your sin. But Jesus had a very private conversation, a one-on-one, -on -one, non-embarrassing conversation with this woman. He sent his disciples away to look for food. And a word of knowledge, a gift of prophecy, whatever it is, is not meant for me to walk through high and mighty and see somebody at Walmart or see somebody at Publix to make you be embarrassed in front of all the people and confess all your sins. Let me tell you what you did Friday night. I'm like, okay, that's not God. In Christ are hidden treasures of wisdom and knowledge. That word wisdom there is the word Sophia. And I love it. It's uh, it's how to regulate your relationship with both God and the world. It's a, it's a powerful tool to interact between people and, and, and flowing through. Have you ever had a gut feeling about someone? Just an 
It wasn't obvious. It was a gut feeling. My mom is notorious about this. She has the gut feelings, and when my mom says, I just a feeling, Pete, you just you listen. When I was in school, uh, I, I had a uh, plethora of significant others, and my parents, by and large, stayed out of it, more or less. They, they didn't say much. They looked at me, they would roll their eyes, they, they just kind of did their own thing, I did my own thing. But there was one instance, Tyler, where, where my mom decided to stick her head in my business. Now, understanding that that wasn't my mom's normal mode of operation, I wanted to know what was going on. So she looks me dead in the face and she goes, hey Pete, here's what you're going to do. You're going to call her up right now and you're going to break up. Or, I call her up and you break up. Either way, it's over. That was my mom. I can tell you where in Slapout, Alabama, I was standing when I had that conversation 20 some odd years ago. And I'm like, oh, she's not joking. She's like, because here's what's going to happen. You can call her and you can make up whatever excuse you want to come up with. You're not compatible. There's someone else. Whatever you want to do. You can blame it on me all you want. But this is over. Or I show up first period at New Life in front of all your friends break up. And she stared me down. I'm like, she's not bluffing. So as a wise young man who was very worried about his reputation, I did exactly what my mama said. And it wasn't either because she knew information about this lady. It wasn't because she had heard rumors about this girl. My mom, the moment I mentioned her name, had a gut feeling. She goes, that's Holy Spirit telling him to stop. Now, there was moments in my life where my mom knew Holy Spirit, that I was going to be doing something stupid. And she let it happen. But she let it happen because she also understood that I needed to fail in life, but I needed to fail in a safe environment. And she knew through the Holy Spirit, if I go down this road, my life would lead to destruction, not an ouch. There's a big difference between a scrape and a broken bone. And as parents, a lot of times we have to discern, is this going to cause a scrape that will help them learn, or is this going to destroy their life? If it's the latter, we have to step in. And a lot of times, if it's a little bit of pain, it's a good thing. How many of you understand? We learn through pain. And a word of knowledge, moms and dads, will help you understand the difference between I need to step in and I need to step back. The difference between I need to hold up a shield to protect my kids or the difference between I need to hold up a blanket to wrap them afterwards. Either way, I need to understand what God is doing and why he's doing it. This is where, where my, my parents had a word of knowledge a long time ago about me going on a Six Flags trip with some friends. You may have heard the story before. And, and my dad said, no, you're not going. Why? Because I said so. But dad, I have my own money. I don't care that you have your money. It wasn't a money issue. It wasn't a transportation issue. It wasn't going to cost them a thing. He woke up that morning and goes, it's a bad idea. Not going to happen. Hours before I left, I had to cancel my trip. And my friends still went, and they got into an accident on, on the interstate in Atlanta. God knew what was going to take place before it happened. How about when I was in, in, living in Fort Courage, and I was at the ripe old age of 15, 14, sorry. And I decided in the middle of the, of the night to steal somebody's car and take it to the store. They left their keys in the car. It's not a big deal. I'm 14, I know how to drive, so I took the car. Two hours before I got in the car, my dad was awakened in the middle of the night and go, Pete's about to take a car. Got in his car and slap out, 
drove all the way to Billingsley so that as I'm turning out of the driveway, he's facing my car. That's creepy. I told y'all last, last week that the Holy Spirit's the worst secret keeper of all time. He has snitched on me so many times to my parents. This is before Find My iPhone or Life360. It's ridiculous. It wasn't fair. Having my parents as my parents was not fair as a teenager. He's everywhere, and it's not, it's not cool sometimes. But you have these gut feelings about something. You have these issues that are going on. You have these things that are going on, and I heeded her advice. This, this relationship, this word Sophia, also means it helps us relate to God. It's a, it helps us to connect with who he is and what he's wanting to go through. And this word gives us the ability to apply what he's saying into our personal lives. It takes his information and makes it relevant for our lives today. Uh, Paul says this, that it's a, a word of wisdom. It's something that creates an opportunity for us to make application to his words right, of what's going on. For, for one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. I love this idea. We can walk through life and understand how to apply God's word to my, only my life, but to my horizontal relationships as well. It also says that it's a knowledge or a kenosko. It means to know with experience. This is not guided through education, but this is guided through participation. It's, a, it, it's an idea that conveys a knowledge gained through a, a moment of vulnerability and experience with someone. In 1 Corinthians 12, Paul uses the same words to describe a word of knowledge or the word of prophecy in this. And it's to have an intimate relationship with someone without going crazy and, and going too deep into the Greek. It is something to know someone in the context of a sexual intimacy with someone. We have relationships, we have friendships, we have all of those things. And we can tell them information and they can see our Instagram photos and they can, they can see what's going on. But do they really know who you are? Intimacy with who you are. You guys can date. Husbands and wives, you can go on a vacation every once in a while, but you really don't know your spouse until months and months into <laughs> the relationship. You really get to know someone when they roll over for that first morning breath and it smells like a buzzard. <laughs> or you hear a, babe, I need help, and you realize that they don't have toilet paper and you're fixing to have to open this biohazardous door. That's intimacy. Choof. It's the same with God. You determine how well you know him. Is he just God? Is he just the Bible verse tattoo you got? Is he just someone that you come to on a Sunday morning or when you're in a time of need? Is he... How intimate do you want to know God? I love this, that he knows the very hairs on your head, but do you know who he is? See, a relationship is meant to be a two-way street. It's not just that God knows me, but that I also know him. And when you're looking at this gift, it's to understand who he is. It's to understand what's going on, to have his mind about a situation. Where a prophetic word can tell you what's going on in the future, a gift of knowledge tells you what's happening right now. 
back in the day, they had the WWJD bracelets that were huge. That's how old I am. Everybody had one. And, and I had a hard time relating to that. Like, what would Jesus do in this situation? I'm like, I don't know, walk on water? I can't walk on water. I can't, I can't do these things. So I took out the J and I put a D. What would my dad do? That was something that I could understand. And now one of the best things that I've done in my life when it comes to my relationship with dad is I will sit down with my dad and ask him a question, not an informational exchange, like in what drawer is this, but why did you do or why didn't you do X, Y, and Z? And in that 30-minute conversation, okay, it's two hours, in a two-hour conversation with my dad, I can understand two months, two years of the why behind the what the pain he went through, and the vast majority of the times, and when he says, this is the reason why I do it, it's not because it worked. It's because he failed so bad the first 50 times he learned from his mistakes. He doesn't want that to go through. And when it comes to a word of knowledge, getting to understand God, knowing God, is to understand the why behind what he's doing. God doesn't want mindless robots. He doesn't just want you to do it because he said so. There's always a reason why, and he's leading you, and he's leading me into a deeper relationship with him. Our God is a just God. And words of knowledge in Scripture help us to see what he's doing in our culture today. In the life of Daniel, we see this so clearly. And you can see this in Daniel chapter 1, where he's helping Daniel understand what's about to take place. To give you some context, Daniel wasn't born in Babylon. Daniel was raised under a king. Daniel served God his entire life until he was taken captive as a slave and sent to Babylon. Daniel then had to learn a language. Daniel then had to learn customs. Daniel had to learn culture. He didn't have the information. And so when Daniel was sent as a slave, as, as, as a piece of property, and all of a sudden, he has details, insight, and wisdom into a culture he wasn't even born into. Everyone stops and goes, that must be God. Daniel stopped everything that he, he wasn't supposed to be a part of. He wasn't supposed to be an insider. And he has all this inside information. And what's cool for me is that it doesn't matter where you are in the sphere of society. It doesn't matter about your education. It doesn't matter what you're qualified for. It doesn't matter what you can and can't do. When you sit down with the Heavenly Father and you use the gifts that He's given you, it gives you access to doors you should have never had access to. It gives you wisdom into areas you should have never had wisdom into. And it gives you opportunities in the people's lives that everybody else has been working years for that you only worked for a moment. He was forced into a hard situation, but because he relied on God, he was promoted through the ranks faster than he should have been promoted to because he had information that no one else had. You know, we've heard it said that information is power, and God wants you to be powerful. He does. He doesn't want you to be weak. Because if I'm powerful through who he is, he gets the glory. Power does not always equal pride. Because if I'm, in my, if I'm in a seat of power of something I know I didn't deserve, I know I didn't earn, I know I didn't jump through the hoops, but because he put me here, it creates a reliance on him. Yes. 
Because if my position of power is directly connected to my education, then my, my God becomes my, that's my life source. I must stay connected to that life source. But if my position of power is connected directly to who he is, I realize I'm an idiot. He is wise. He's going to tell me all the answers. It's funny because I love to watch, like, especially like pro athletes, they have the headsets, the, the football helmets that have the microphone on the inside. And you can see every once in a while they'll cover their ears because somebody who is smarter than that athlete, who has a better vantage view than that athlete, is saying, hey, hey, blitz, 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 outside, outside, outside. Okay. And then the guy on ESPN is like, look how smart that football player was. I'm like, dummy, he had somebody who told him the answers. I love that. It was a, there's a difference between an intelligent football move and an athletic football move. An intelligent football move is walking up and reading a defense. You walk up, you see 11 guys, you see where they're standing, you see how far off they are the ball. Somebody in your ear is saying, hey, they're doing a nickel back or they're doing a, a, a dime package, the, the outside linebacker's blitzing in or whatever it is. And they now talk to the linemen, they talk to the people, and they make an experienced move and they throw a bomb and it works great. That's an intelligent football move. Most of the time, those intelligent football moves come from somebody wiser. An athletic football move is when you have a guy who's about to get sacked, does five ballerina spins in the air, jumps over one person, spins around the other person, stiffs arms one guy, bounces off the ground, and comes back up and keeps running. That's the difference between an intelligent football move and athletic football move is the guys who aren't going, I should have thought of that. I should have spun five times. No, he's just a freak of nature. You ever watch that and you go, on how? And, uh, yesterday, I watched that with Bryce Young. I'm like, he's sacked. No, he's not. Okay, he's sacked. No, he's not. He's still running. He's, he had a breath. Touchdown. Where did that guy come from? Like, it's just bizarre. Freaks of nature. God has a bird's eye view of your life and everyone else's life, and he's wanting to give you information to help you. Spiritual gifts and natural gifts aren't so different. There are people that are naturally gifted at something. There are people that are naturally gifted at a piano. I'm not one of those. Just not. I, I, I didn't sit down at the age of six or three and then just start playing Mozart. Like, it didn't just happen. My sister is a great piano player. She took lessons for like 19 years. She's laughing. I'm serious. That was an exaggeration. Um, but can I tell you, every single person in this room, if you have, now you don't even have to have 10 fingers, everybody, if you spend time, can learn how to play a song on a piano. Every single person can. Are, are there people that are just naturally gifted at it? Absolutely. But can everybody do it? Absolutely. The gifts of the Spirit are the same way. There are people that are naturally gifted in certain areas. My dad is naturally gifted in healing but it's the same spirit that's in you. There are some people who are naturally gifted in the prophetic, but it's the same spirit that's in you. There are some people who are naturally gifted in, in, in understanding the, the, the gifts of tongues, but it's in you. There are people that have words of knowledge, but it's in you. The beautiful part of this whole situation is everybody has a natural spiritual gift, but everybody also has the access for the others. It doesn't matter how hard I play on the piano, I will, never leave, I will never be as gifted as somebody who's born with it. Just not. But it doesn't mean I don't strive to be better at who I am. And when it comes to spiritual gifts, God 
has a gift for you and he has access to all things. In Matthew chapter 7, it says, which of you asks your, your father for bread and he gives him a stone? Or a fish and you get a serpent? How much more will your heavenly father do for you? I don't know what area you need. Maybe you need to see what God is doing in the future. Ask for it. But I'm not prophetic. I didn't say you have the gift of prophecy as an office of a prophet. But everybody can be prophetic. Ask God what's going on in your work life. What's happening? My mom is great with this. We will sit down, we'll have a staff meeting, and we'll go through all these details. Everybody will see the same information about the same person on the same situation, and we'll all be like, yep, 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 yep. Mom goes, hold on a second. And she'll have an insight into something that we just don't see. And she's right. I don't know if you're needing a promotion, if you're needing to connect with a mean boss, if you have a coworker that is horrible, whatever is going on, you begin to ask God, God, the gift of knowledge to speak life into the situation. God, give me the words to say. Let me see what I need to see to be exactly what you've caused me to be. In 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 9, it says, So give your servant the understanding heart to judge your people and discern between good and evil. Do you see that? Give your servant an understanding heart. Give your servant a heart that hears what you're saying and why you're saying it. God, I want to be the man, I want to I, I be the servant that not only hears what you're saying, but knows the why, what you're saying, what, what, how to apply with what you're saying. God, please grant me that. And here's the great part about the spiritual gifts that we experience is that every single one of us can attain them. And it's not through attaining through struggle, it's attaining through relationship. A couple of quick tools. Number one, uh, to, to grow in these spiritual gifts, the power of your story or their story is huge. I love to tell Bible stories. I love to tell my personal stories. It's embarrassing a lot of times. But one thing that happens is that we connect to people's stories. So when I'm telling, my, my dad is, is, is infamous for this, he'll, he'll go through at Thanksgiving time and he'll see somebody that's struggling to pay their groceries. And he'll just buy their groceries. And to hear the story of how they react to him buying their groceries always moves me to do the exact same thing. See, stories motivate us. Testimonies motivate us for actions. Testimonies let us hear what's going on in Tyler's life, and if God will do it in Tyler's life, maybe he can do it in my life. If he can do it in Sarah's life, he can do it in my life. And what happens is, is that as long as we are sharing the goodness of God and the testimonies that he's doing in our lives, it spurs us on for action. When I hear what God is doing in somebody else's life, I want that same thing. I'm not coveting their, their moment of fame. I'm wanting a new connection with who God is. That's one reason why I love to read Bible stories also. When I read the story of Daniel, who is facing odds that were insurmountable, it should spur you on to go, I'm going to stick true. When I read the story of Esther for such a time as this, I should be awakened inside of myself to go, God, why did you put me on this earth? See, stories open up our eyes to want more from God. They want a deeper connection with God. I, I, I flew out to Redding, California a few years back. There's a church called Bethel. We do a lot of their music. And uh, I am, I've always been a, man, sounds bad for being a pastor, but a skeptical person. It, I was a part of a church that um, I once used in my life that things got way out of hand. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Like people were clucking like a chicken. 
like, and saying that was the Holy Spirit. It wasn't. It was KFC. And so I, I kind of got skeptical about what God was doing. So I fly out to Redding, California, because there's, big air quotes, a move of God taking place. And I'm like, cool, let me see what happens. So I go out there, thinking, if you will, it's just, it's a sham. I didn't think that the prophetic was a sham. I didn't think that words of knowledge were a sham. But when I saw that I could sign up for a booth to get a prophetic word on demand, I went, well, that's not how it works. That's not how it works at all. Like, there has to be a, somebody playing a guitar or a piano, and the music has to swell, and somebody has to shake, and then God's got to say something in a weird voice. Thus saith has to be used a lot. But I'm like, you know what, whatever. So I'm sitting at an Applebee's, and the waitress goes, hey, where are you guys from? And so I'm like, oh, I'm from South Florida. Now, mind you, right in California at this season of life, I think had like 50,000 people, so it's Prattville-esque. It's not huge. It's, it's small. So it was obvious that I didn't belong. And so um, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm, we're here for, uh, to, to go check out this church. What church? A church called Bethel. I went to Bethel. I'm like, cool. Good for you. Um, she's like, I got a word for you. I'm like, I just want to eat my chicken, chicken fingers. But I'm like, sure, put it aside. I said, sure, what you got? She says, I hear God say that you're here for a purpose and on a journey for an experience. To which I went, well, that's pretty vague. So thank you. She walked away. And the person I was with was like, what do you think? And I went, obviously I'm here for a journey and experience. I flew from Florida to California for a journey and experience. He goes, my God, Pete, you're just so skeptical. I'm like, I mean, that's like saying you wore a jacket because it's cold today. Like, yeah, I, I was vague. I'm like, it's whatever. So I blew it off. I walk into the church service, and I'm like, hey, I, I'm a first-time guest. And the guy's like, cool, cool, cool. I've got a word for you. And I'm like, oh, here we go again. I said, yeah, what's that? He said, God says that you're, you need to open your eyes to see what he's doing in your life. And I went, is this a fortune cookie? I'm like, okay, cool, whatever. So I went to service, did my thing, cool service, it was great. But I had signed up for their prophetic booth to have somebody give me a word. I'm like, no, whatever. So you walk in. And you sit down, and they give you a, a note card. And it has just your first name. I had two questions. Just your first name, and I think, are you, are, are you a believer? I'm like, okay. Check. And then I waited. It was kind of like waiting in a lobby like you would, uh, like, a, like, a, um, like a spa. They had like this nice spa music playing, and you waited for your number to be called. I kid you not. Dude, there was like 30 people waiting for these prophetic words. And I'm like, this is kind of weird. And so I walk, they finally call my name, and I stand up, and I'll walk in. And uh, I said, hi, I'm Pete. I'm from, she goes, stop. And I said, excuse me? She said, don't say another word. I don't want to know. And I went, oh, here we go. Now we're talking. She knows my name and that I'm saved. That's it. So I kid you not. I'm sitting here like this. She's praying. And I'm just kind of staring here at my watch. 
going, okay, what's the, the fortune cookie-esque answer that they're going to give me? And she said, um, Pete, I hear, um, I'm sorry, God said you're a, you're a pastor. Okay, I'm listening. She said, uh, uh, somewhere sunny, somewhere sunny. Um, it's Florida. You're a pastor in Florida. Interesting. Now, mind you, about 30 days before I go on this trip, God told me I was moving to Alabama. Now, the other gentleman on the trip didn't have a clue. He, she goes, you have a huge decision. Mm. It's a monumental decision. It's a decision about you going back to a place you once went from, and you're scared that it's going to be the exact same situation you had last time. You're, 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 you got wounded, and you're afraid it's going to happen again. And at this moment, I'm like, I perceive you're a prophet. <laughs> she goes on to tell me, God said, yes, you're supposed to go. When you go, you're going to encounter some hard times, but he's going to be with you through the end. And I'm sitting there the entire time going, oh my gosh, this is bizarre. So I asked the lady afterwards, I'm like, so how long have you been doing this? That was like clairvoyant-esque. She goes, six months. I said, six months? She goes, yeah, last year I was homeless, got saved, came to church. They said that they had prophetic classes. I'm like, what is that? All I knew was they were feeding me, so I went. She goes, yeah, so this is, this is how her story goes. She goes, not want, having any clue about anything, gets saved, gets set up. They put her in one of their, their, their I guess it would be like a halfway house, a group. You know, she's now got a job. She's doing great, all these wonderful things. And she said she wanted somebody, to, she wanted to be able to minister to somebody like she was ministered to. Because what they were doing is they were walking in the streets, giving words of knowledge to people, and she said, somebody looked at me and gave me a word of knowledge. And it wasn't your typical, you're homeless because you do drugs. She goes, obviously I do drugs. I'm homeless. She says, but he told me about the child that I gave up six years ago. And I went, I want what you have. Now what happens is, is that her story broke me down to realize that all my preconceived ideas of what things were supposed to be were completely wrong. This is a fallacy of life. Because God took somebody who six months previous was homeless and a drug addict and put them in front of me to read my mail, of which I've been a pastor at this moment for 10 years. In other words, she had no qualifications to do what she did. All she did was lean on the qualifier. Which leads me to the next thing. He commissions you. Every single one of us is commissioned for a moment. And that moment's right now. You're not commissioned for a moment 200 years from now because you won't be here. You're not commissioned for a moment 200 years ago because you weren't there. You're commissioned for this moment. And God has granted you all access to heaven for everything that you need for this moment. Whatever you're called to, whatever people group you're supposed to reach out to, this is why we lean on the Holy Spirit, because He knows where they are. He knows what they need. And we don't need strategies. 
We don't need to go a bunch of research gurus. What we need is a group of people who follow what Holy Spirit's doing. Because we can do mass mailers. We can do media campaigns. We can get on television, and we can get on radio, and we can generate some form of excitement. But there's nothing like knowing that God knows you because he used EJ to tell you about you. God gives you what's needed for your impact. And the third thing, you've got stories, you've got commissions, and this is the third thing. Impartation stirs up the gift. This is where everything really gets cool for me because Paul looks in Romans 1 and says, I long to see you that I may impart to you spiritual gifts to make you strong. Quick theology lesson real quick. You have things that are imputed unto you, and you have things that are imparted unto you. Righteousness is imputed unto you. Abraham believed, and it was credited unto him righteousness. Something that is imputed is something that is credited to you on your behalf. For an impartation is something that is generated and given from one person to another person. What happens, and Paul saying is, I've got something that you need, and it's a gift that I want to give you. Paul is going to the church in Rome to lay hands on them to impart a gift. And there's two big types of relationships that we have. We have those relationships in our, in our, in our sphere that are there meant to pick up our weaknesses. They are strong where I am weak. And I've always had this idea that I need to work on all my weaknesses so I don't have any, but that's not what God wants from you. What God wants from you is to partner with somebody who is strong where you're weak, and you have a co-laboring process to go and attack a goal. If you are very, very energetic, and you're great, and you love people, yet you're horribly unorganized, but you have somebody who has the same dream as you that is organized, you co-labor together to attack the dream. The second aspect is, is, is when Paul looks around at the church of Rome, he didn't go, you're unusing these people. You need to empower an EJ. You need to empower a Jessica. And you need to empower an Ira. No, no. Well, Paul goes, you don't have what you need, so I will come and give you what you need. And here's what's really, really great. God has you on mission and on task. And a lot of times we look around and we go, God, I don't have the people that I need. God, I don't have the giftings that I need. I don't have all of the things that I need. The, where are these? Where are the millionaires? Where are the, all of the things that I need to accomplish the goal? It's just not here, God. And the greatest thing is like this. God can go, well, then I'll impart something into you. This is why when we have people that come through that are gifted in areas that I'm seeking after, I always have them pray for me. Every single time. Because they have something that I need. They have the next level of something that I want so badly. And what may have taken them six months, six years, 60 years to get, God can impart right inside of you right at that moment. It's a leveling up. And when Pastor Allen or myself or Pastor Marshall, whatever, and we're, we're, we're having the altars open and you need prayer, it doesn't matter if it's what they called for or not. What do you need from God? Ask and it will be given unto you. And for me, one thing that I had constantly asking for at this moment in my life is, God, words of knowledge need to flow. I need wisdom for application in my life. God, what are the things that I need to know about my kids? Not the grades that I can look up on the portals, but what's going on in their heart that I can speak to to help them through situations? 
God, I need words of knowledge to, 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 to connect with people in our church. God, what are the things that I need to know to connect healthy relationships? EJ does this with, with worship a lot. God, what are the songs that will flow from one thing to another that will enhance our worship experience? She's seeking after his face. Not a, not a bunch of songs and we go, okay, that one's in C and that one's in C. We'll put them together and that makes work. No, we seek God's face. God, what are the areas in my life? God is wanting to open up the windows of heaven in your life so much beyond your natural limitations, beyond your education, beyond your age, beyond any kind of gender issues, beyond any kind of, uh, of color issues, beyond any kind of height issues or weight issues, beyond any kind of intelligence issues, beyond any gifting issues, whatever you have limited yourself to, God is big enough to overcome your limitations and be bigger than you can possibly imagine. You may feel, you feel right now that you've been isolated and ostracized at work. God can change that in a moment. In a moment. You may feel like right now that you're having an issue with your spouse. You don't understand what's going on. God can speak life into those moments. Not fear. Not worry and, and, and stress and these high-risk, high issues. But God, how can I speak love to that person? You're having a hard time connecting with your spouse? God, how can I love them the way that they want to hear? How can I speak to their love language the way that they need to hear it? That's a word of knowledge. You ready for this? You need to give words of knowledge to yourself. To yourself. God, what am I doing wrong? How come I keep doing the same thing over and over again? How come I keep making the same mistakes? Holy Spirit, speak to me. What am I doing? Oh, wow, there it is. That's what's going on. You ever had that epiphany of yourself? There you go. You were operating on it, didn't even know it. Paul tells us to earnestly desire the gifts. In other words, it is your responsibility and my responsibility to seek after it as if it's a necessity to my life. Not so that I can have a stage and everyone can watch and ooh and all. Because can I tell you, the vast majority of the time that God wants us to use our gifts aren't on Sunday mornings. They're at Publix. They're at a Walmart. They're at your office. They're at your home. God is wanting you to do the gifts that he's called you to be and pour out because he's commissioned you for such a time as this. Well, Heavenly God, we just thank you that you are a great God, that you know all things, that you have opened up the windows of heaven, that you have shown us things that you are continually, oh God, building us to be exactly what you want us to be. We are so grateful. We are so honored. We are so thankful for what you've called us to be. God, I just thank you right now the Holy Spirit has got free reign in our lives. That no matter what's going on, no matter what the issue is, no matter what is taking place and limitations that we feel, Holy Spirit, move mightily amongst your people. We seek after you as a gift and the gifts that you are. In Jesus' name, amen. See you guys soon. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.